You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. to Luke's gospel, the gospel of Luke. And so there are many wonderful things that we can find uh, in this marvelous book, the book of Acts. So Acts chapter 1, last week we were talking about uh, three events that helped shape the church, that uh, got the church off the ground and running. And today uh, it, kind of, it really coincides with our message in children's church uh, as we're talking about today, the blessings of united Prayer, uh, the, the finding prayer, praying in unity, praying uh, with power, play, praying focused upon God Almighty in unity with one another, and that type of prayer God blesses. Amen? When we come together as a body of God's people and we believe that God has the power to do all things and we love one another and we love God, God hears our prayers and He does some marvelous things with our prayers. So we want to ask everyone, if you can and will, please stand to pay honor to the reading and hearing of God's precious holy word. We're looking at Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. Uh, What happens here is that after Jesus has ascended into heaven, we start in verse 12, that they return to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the prayer room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip uh, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, 
and Simon the Zealot. Now, it's interesting here. You have a rag, and also Judas the son of James. You have a ragtag group of individuals here. You have uh, Simon the Zealot. You see that word, Simon the Zealot. This is a nationalist person. This is a person who despises tax collectors. He despises anything to do with Rome. But then you also look up and you see Matthew's name there. Matthew was formerly a tax collector. Boy, don't you think that was a lot of fun uh, between these two individuals. But they came together in harmony uh, and under the banner of the cross. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. At this time, we see James and the brothers of Jesus. They had come. Uh, James, they were skeptics of Jesus' ministry before the resurrection, but after the resurrection, they were powerful disciples of the Lord. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of his disciples. Now, who was this guy? Peter, who had just denied he even knew Jesus three times, is now boldly standing up. He's standing up before the disciples. When he is filled with the Holy Spirit, he's going to stand up before the adversaries and preach some powerful messages. We'll see that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of his disciples. Uh, although the number of names was about 120, so 120 people who, here who witnessed the ascension of Jesus, who were back in the upper room, and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry." Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all of his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. So that field is called, in their own language, Akel Damah, which is the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day that he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So in other words, the office of the New Testament apostle, now we have missionaries, but the office of the New Testament apostle, as we see with the twelve apostles, is over. And the reason is to be a, an apostle like Peter, James, and John meant that you had to have literally seen the physical Jesus. You had to, to have been taught by Jesus. You have had to see the resurrection of Jesus. And they proposed to Joseph called Barsabas and surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. The kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the power, tr powerful truths found within. Lord, I just ask, Lord, that you would just fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, allowing me to speak the words that need to be spoken, holding back any words that don't need to be spoken, and in and through it all, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes that we may see, our ears that we may hear, and our hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. 
I'm just finishing up a book by Trevin Wax. Uh, by the, uh, it's called This Is Our Time, Everyday Myths in the Light of the Gospel. And he confronts a lot of the things that we have accepted as a society that really go, that really go against some things that the Bible tells us, uh, the principles that we find in God's holy word. But one thing he tells us, uh, he tells the story about materialism and how a lot of times we focus on material possessions and we give it a higher prominence than what we really need to in our lives. And he talks about uh, his uh, brother-in-law and sister. His sister's name is Tiffany and his brother-in-law's name is Brandon. Uh, Brandon had just finished, finished medical school. Uh, he had finished his residency and they had, uh, he was ready to start his practice. And because of that, they had finally built their dream home. And this was a beautiful house. Uh, and they moved in this house. They were happy. And it just everything in the world seemed right at this moment in time. They had all, invited all the family there for Thanksgiving. They ate their Thanksgiving dinner there. And um, everything was really good. They had a wonderful Thanksgiving. The, on, on the Friday after Thanksgiving, they were eating leftovers. Everything was just great. Uh, going on through the weekend, uh, they attended church services together. Everything was fantastic. But Monday, it was all gone. By Monday morning, the entire house was gone. Uh, that morning, they woke up and, uh, and Tiffany was getting all the, the family ready, the kids ready for school, when they heard an explosion in the house. Brandon came running down and said, Am I okay? Am I okay? There's a fireball just hit me. And it had singed his eyebrows, singed the hair on his arms. You see, what had happened is there was a gas leak and it had exploded. And at that time, they rushed all the family out. And a few seconds later, the house itself exploded. And within 10 minutes, the dream house was gone. Now, by the grace of God, they were able, they were able to rebuild. But the, the point he makes is this. You see the fragile nature of our material possessions. And he also compares that to the very fragile nature that we have of placing all of our emphasis on material things. And the same is true with the church. Now understand, most, most uh, disputes within the church have to do with, as we've mentioned before, you've heard me talk about this several times, color of the carpets, and you've heard me jokingly talk about uh, a church in the mountains of North Carolina that split over toilet paper. I mean, all of these things are just, just ridiculous. But Trevin Wax reminds us that the Bible tells us that the focus that we have as a church is the ministry and gospel of Jesus Christ. And that we have power in and through our Lord Jesus Christ to do great things, especially if we are united in prayer and we pray with fervency. We have the power of God helping us if we'll do just that. So unity of prayer. We want to see three principles that we can find in this passage of Scripture as it pertains to being united in our prayer, as it pertains to, uh, to, to this unity that we find in prayer, focusing upon God being united with one another. The first thing we see as these disciples are gathered in the upper room, they're trying to focus on the first order of business. What do they do with the twelfth disciple? They lost Judas Iscariot due to his betrayal. What do they do to fill that twelfth position? So they come together and, and what they do is they find themselves unity in prayer which provides, first of all, the blessing of a loving fellowship. Beloved, let me tell you, there's nothing like having a loving fellowship. Amen? There's nothing like being able to come into a place and know that you're among family. 
to know that you're among God's people, to know that you have one another's back, to know that, that you're united under the banner of the cross, that you're united by the power of God Almighty through the Holy Spirit, through the salvation that we find in and through Jesus Christ. And beloved, a lot of this loving fellowship is, is, is brought forth by the unity that we can find in prayer. We find that the uh, disciples were in verses 12 through 14, that they had come together. They had come together with one mind and one accord. They continued, it says in verse 14, with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. All the things that had uh, sought to, dis to, to separate them had been eliminated. They were united under Jesus Christ. They were united under the core essentials of the faith. And they didn't allow these little differences to separate them. They came together and they were united and they prayed together. That's my prayer today, that we would be united, a united people. And that we would pray according to the will of God Almighty. We see, first of all, that they lovingly prayed with unity. Look what he says. They prayed with one accord. One accord. And no, he's not talking about a vehicle, an accord. He's talking about they come together. They come together with unity, with the same insights. It means the Greek term here, prosuke, means uh, that one with one mind. The Laonita Dictionary says in a, in a number of languages with one mind would need to be rendered as prayed for the same thing or said the same in their prayers. They were focused upon one goal. They were focused upon one thing. And God blessed them for that. We need to be united as a church today. Amen? The devil, here's a little biblical mathematics. The devil tries to subtract and divide. God seeks to add and multiply. And I believe that's true. The devil will do anything in his power to get in and disrupt the, the, the working of God. That's why I love, there's just a special thing when people are united. And that's why I love several different types of music. I like, um, I like some contemporary Christian music. I really enjoy that. But I've always loved the good quartet singing as well. I think Bob and I have talked about this before. The good old-fashioned quartet singing. You get four people together. You, you have that one guy, he sings real high. I don't see how they reach some of the heights they do and, and how they sing that high. But you have the tenor singing high, and then you have the bass singing real low, you know. Like George Yonts from the cathedrals, he could hit some real low notes, you know. You have the one guy singing high, you have the one guy singing low, and then you have the baritone singing in the middle, and you have the lead singing the lead part. Let me tell you something, it just sends chills up my spine whenever they hit those notes in unity, and whenever they, they, they harmonize together. What a beautiful sound it is. Beloved, I believe it's a beautiful sound to God's ears when we as a people come together, united in one mind and one accord, Praying for the same thing. Praying for one another. Praying for God's will to be done. If you believe that, let me hear you say amen. amen. We, also see, um, we also see that they lovingly prayed with consistency. Let me just first of all say one more thing before I move on to the consistency aspect. Jesus prays for us. He prayed for us to be united. In John 17, verses 20 and 21, He says, I pray not for these but also for those who believe in me through their word, may they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. And so again, Jesus desires our unity together as a church. They pray with consistency. Uh, this, we see the term here used 
uh, with one accord, prayer and supplication. They continued, in verse 14, they continued. The term there means is associated closely with continuity. It didn't mean that they just prayed one time and stopped. They prayed consistently. They prayed over and over and over again that God would move and have His will and have His way. Beloved, understand, you may be praying for someone or something today, but don't just pray one time and forget about it. We've got to continually pray. Listen, beloved, you may pray for someone 20 years before you see results. But, I, but believe in the power of prayer and continue in that, and God will bless your prayers, beloved. There's a, uh, it's like a commercial. I don't advocate the show on, on which uh, the commercial was advertising. In fact, I won't even mention the name of, of the show they were advertising. But it was a little cartoon. And, had this, uh, and I'm sure many of you mothers in here today have probably experienced something like this at one time or one, you know, sometime before. But you see a, a picture of the mother lying on her bed, and she is exhausted. She is just exhausted. And there's this little baby over to the side. He's old enough, apparently, to talk. And he looks over to his mom and says, Mama, she doesn't respond. And he goes, Mama, she doesn't respond. Then he goes, Mama, 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 Mommy, Mama, 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 over and over and over again until she finally has it and says, What? What do you want? <laughs> I'm sure many mothers have probably had that experience today, you know, amen? But, uh, but here's the thing. Jesus says when we pray, we need to pray with consistency. He even issues a parable in this. He issues a parable of this man who comes to a friend at night, knocking on the, remember the story? Knocking on the person's door. The, the homeowner doesn't want to come out uh, because he's asleep and all of his family's asleep. And he says, go away, just leave me alone. But this guy is consistent in his prayers over and over and over again until it moves the man the homeowner to come to the door. Jesus says, he's not saying that we need to be uh, obnoxious in our prayers, but he is saying that we need to be consistent in our prayers. Pray often. In fact, the Bible even tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 17 through 19, that we need to pray consistently, pray always, giving thanks in everything. You know, that, that's a powerful verse right there. We can always find something to be negative about, Amen. You can always look around and find something to be negative about. But aren't you glad that, that one of the fruit of the Spirit is joy? It's not a temporary happiness. But joy is a blessing of the Holy Spirit. That you can be joyful always, even if you're going through the pit of despair. Even if you're going through some troubled times. You can still know, as old Ricky Smitherman said as he was facing that surgery, that whether I die or whether I live, I'm a winner either way. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And aren't you so glad of that, amen? That we can be joyful in all things. But he also says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. That's the power of praying in unity. Also, unity in prayer provides the blessing of bold proclamation. Peter, who had denied Jesus three times, boldly stood up before the, the, the assembly of 120 believers. 120 people who had seen Jesus ascend into heaven, who had seen the risen Jesus ascend into heaven. They were there together. They were there together. And he boldly proclaimed this Peter, who was too timid, although he always, as I sometimes do, had the foot and mouth disease. He often stuck his foot in his mouth. But Peter, who was timid whenever Jesus was being arrested, was the same Peter who boldly proclaimed to the church what the next steps needed to be. He was taking on his leadership. He wasn't pursuing the office. The office pursued him. God pursued him, you see. 
And this boldness, when you come together in unity of prayer, you can have boldness in your proclamation. The Holy Spirit will bless us and we will be bold ambassadors, not obnoxious. That doesn't mean beating someone in the head with a Bible. That doesn't mean being a jerk or anything like of the sort. But being bold in our proclamation, being unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we can stand forth steadfastly proclaiming the name of Jesus unashamed. First of all, we see that bold proclamation of prophetic fulfillment. Peter, as he's looking at the things that have taken place, particularly that of Judas Iscariot, he notes how this actually fulfilled prophecies about uh, what was to take place among the assembly of Christ, that there would be someone, this was prophecy, there would be someone who would betray Christ, there would be someone who turned him in, and that this was prophetically fulfilled in Judas Iscariot. He saw the scripture to back this up in Psalm 69:25. Let his dwelling house become desolate. Let, let no one live in it. Talking about uh, Judas's suicide. And then Psalm 109, verse 8, let someone else take his position. He saw the, how the scriptures were fulfilled in Judas's defection. Many times we seek to bend scriptures to suit our fancies. But understand, beloved, the Bible will be fulfilled. And, and, and I, I listened to a lot of talk radio, and I was t- heard, listening uh, one, recently to a guy who was talking about uh, a fear that he had. He was saying how easy it is, if, if the right person got a hold of the right material, how easy it is to sneak in a nuclear weapon into any nation. And he says this keeps him up at night thinking about this. Because he says just a, just a high schooler, who knows a little bit about the chemistry, if they get their hands on, on the right material, could build a dirty bomb. And, and he says that scares him, especially with everything going on in society. But he also says, he also says that how he thinks that this is probably part of the fulfillment of Revelation. He was looking now, whether his interpretation is right or wrong, that's not the point. But, the, but what I think that we can see is old Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon used to do. He had a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. And he says, if you look at the news through this lens of Scripture, you can see how things, kind of, uh, how things are going according to the Word of God. Now understand, we're not going to know all the details, and we certainly don't need to set dates. We, we've we've uh, done a lot of disgrace to God's Word by claiming that Christ is going to return here, here, or here. We're not to know that. Christ has already told us that. But what we can do is we can have boldness through the Holy Spirit that despite what may happen, what may transpire, that we can still be bold in our proclamation. Because when we think of the end times, a lot of times we think on the negative aspect of the doom and gloom. But if we believe in the power of Scripture, we also know that the last two chapters are also right. And the fact that there is going to be a heaven. Amen? And that there's going to be good news. That all of this is going to lead to good news in the end. We also see bold proclamation in moral failures. They didn't sweep the failures of Judas Iscariot under the rug at all. In fact, they saw this. And they, let me just say this. They loved Judas Iscariot. Judas went with them, traveled with them for three and a half years. They didn't despise Judas. They were sorrowful over the fact that Judas had done what he, was, what he did. They were sorrowful over these things. But they realized that even through the evil... God was bringing about a greater good. God allowed His people to go, and He still does, allows His people to go through bad things to bring about a greater good. Because think about this. The bad of Judas Iscariot led to the salvation of all the people. 
Because um, even though it was awful what Judas did, and I'm not excusing it in the least bit, but understand that Jesus went to the cross, he died for our sins, God allowed that temporary evil to take place to allow a greater good to happen in the end. And that's why we have evil in the world today. There's going to be a greater good. God could step forth in this and, and wipe out all the evil right here and now. But it may be that there are some more souls that need to be saved. It may be that there are some more people that need to hear the good news before that takes place. In fact, if we look back at the example of Joseph, Joseph, remember the story of Joseph in Genesis? Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery. Uh, and Joseph, um, he was treated very badly by his brothers. They threw him in a well. I mean, I don't think uh, Joseph ended up in a dungeon cell. And I don't think through all of that, Joseph was saying, Oh, joy is me, I'm in a well. Oh, joy is me, I'm in a dungeon, I'm hungry. I don't think he was doing that. But in the end, God elevated Joseph to a high status, which eventually led to the salvation of his own people. Joseph, when his brothers came to him, he, he forgave his brothers and said, What you intended for evil, God intended for good. So, beloved, as we mentioned Wednesday night, and I just want to repeat this, I get so frustrated with people on television saying that if you have enough faith, you'll never have to go under any bad circumstances. That's hogwash. I, you know, I, I get so tired of people saying, if you have enough faith and you pay me enough money, I will send you my sweaty handkerchief and you can lay it under your pillow and get my sweat on you at night and you'll be blessed. What in the world is that? I don't, I don't see that anywhere in the Scriptures whatsoever. Jesus, however, says, take up your cross and follow me, beloved. There are going to be bad times. You may be betrayed in life. You may undergo some horrible events in life. But God, through His Holy Spirit, will get you through the worst of circumstances, through the worst storms that there may be. And aren't you so glad of that? We can be overcome by the evil of the day, but allow us to, God, through the unity of the prayer, allows us to overcome evil with God's goodness. Bold proclamation also allows us to preach God's gospel. Uh, we see that, uh, that through all of this, Peter was focused on the gospel of Christ. He was focused on how Jesus had died for our sins. He goes and he was t talking about uh, that, uh, how the Holy Spirit had inspired the mouth of David concerning Judas. Uh, we see that um, he goes on to say that these times have accompanied us at the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John. Uh, and he's, 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 he's describing the apostle that would, would come, but he was pointing it all back to the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Beloved, through the Holy Spirit of God, now since that we have the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit enters our lives, the infilling of God's presence in our heart and our lives, we have a boldness to proclaim God's truth to a lost and dying world. I uh, recently had a wonderful opportunity to speak with a young man by, by way of, uh, of uh, email, I think it was. And this young man is very smart, extremely smart, very, very smart young man. And he had a lot of questions pertaining to the faith. And, and I wrote, uh, some, sometimes it was almost like a book. In fact, I, I told Jennifer, I said, I'm kinda, I, I, I probably need to shorten this up a little bit. I, I wrote him about a book on, on these emails. And uh, in fact, he went to his dad and says, man, this guy can write a mean email. Not mean being ugly, but mean talking about full of content. And I, I may have put too much on there. 
But you know, I prayed before I sent every email that I sent this young man. And you know what? Recently I heard this man's back in church. He is focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He has a renewed faith. He is focused. He's reading books like crazy. In fact, he read a book by Lee Strobel in less than, I think, less than four days. He had that thing read just like that. I mean, you know, he's a very smart young man. And I believe God is going to use this man for some great things. I'm just telling you this today, beloved, that we, through the Holy Spirit of God, can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with boldness, with power, not, because, not through our own wisdom and insight, but by and through the power of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. And may we be witnesses of His Spirit. May we be witnesses of the gospel in this world today. May we not be ashamed. We come together praying together as God's people with unity, with power, with love. God will bless us with bold proclamation. And finally, unity in prayer provides the blessing of divine guidance. And we see this in verses 24 through 26. They wanted to know a decision. They wanted to know who do they choose, who do they choose to be the twelfth disciple to take the place of Judas Iscariot. And this was before the day of Pentecost, so they cast lots. It's kind of, it wasn't exactly like rolling the dice. I'm so glad that people don't choose pastors like that anymore. Uh, I see if I like Kim, I'm going to roll the dice. Do we get a lucky seven? Oh, no, sorry. Uh, you, you're not, you, can't be, you can't be with us because you didn't get the lucky number. But now, this, what they did is they prayed over these lots. They had rocks, which are light-colored rocks, and they had dark-colored rocks. The, the lighter rocks meant yes, the darker rocks meant no. And so they cast lots on these two individuals, praying that God would bless this decision. And God, through this process, chose Matthias to be the twelfth disciple. Understand that when we have the Holy Spirit of God leading us and guiding us in our personal lives and in our church, the sky is the limit as to what God can do with us. The sky is truly the limit. In fact, uh, just by simply listening to the Holy Spirit and doing as the Holy Spirit guides us, we can be a blessing to individuals that we never know about. In fact, whenever I was uh, working on my master's degree, I, was, uh, I sent an email to a, a professor that had really blessed my heart, Dr. Kevin King, a wonderful man of God. In fact, he said, he gave a statement that I've, I've remembered ever since he said it. He said, stinky thinking leads to a smelly life. And I think there's so much truth in that. Stinky thinking leads to a smelly life. There's so much truth. And so I sent him an email thanking him for, uh, for, for, for his wisdom and guidance and uh, not knowing that all the while he sent me a response back saying, Brian, I have had a really rough day today. Thank you for allowing the Holy Spirit to use you. I needed this today more than you'll ever know. Thank you so much for sending that email. We never know how we may bless someone else if we simply listen to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to guide us. But with this being said, beloved, we must understand we need to have unity in our prayers. We need to have insight. We must have love and compassion. We also need to know that there are certain things that may hinder our prayers, the Bible tells us. So when we're seeking God's guidance, we need to make sure that we are focused in upon the Lord because there are things that can hinder our prayers. Number one, if the prayer is prayed out of the will of the Lord. Uh, th this, this will hinder our prayers. Uh, John, John says in 1 John 5, 14, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. James 4, 3 says, you ask and you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on all your pleasures. 
So does God necessarily answer our prayers when we ask to win that big, big mega million lottery? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not, especially if we're asking it out of the will of the Lord. If the prayer is prayed out of a rebellious lifestyle, uh, this will hinder our prayers. In fact, um, Isaiah says in chapter 1, verse 15, it talks about people praying with blood on their hands, that he refuses to look at, at that, at those prayers. But he goes on to say in verse 18, But come, let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be white like wool. If we turn and repent of our sins, God hears our prayers and answers accordingly. We also see that if the prayer is prayed while abusing others, this hinders our prayers. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing them honor as co-heirs of, co of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Understand, beloved, we must be focused upon the will of the Lord. We must be living in obedience. And if we come together focused upon Him, focused upon God's will and obedience and serving Him, we come loving the Lord our God with all our mind, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving each other as we love ourselves, God will bless that. He will bless our prayers, and He will provide us guidance to do great things for His kingdom. Strive to obey the Lord. Seek unity. Pray for the, your fellow congregants. Pray for, and I hope you pray for me. I certainly need it. If, if you don't pray for anyone else, be sure to pray for me because I certainly need it. But pray for one another. Seek reconciliation. Forgive often. We need the Lord without Him and His guidance. Beloved, we can do nothing without Him, right? He is the vine. We are the branches. I believe that Holy Spirit serves as a sap. He's the one who keeps us. He's the one who saves us. He's the one who keeps us. And it is through Him that we have the power to do all things. Let me close with this. Ruth Ann, I think they're on vacation this, this, uh, this Sunday. But Ruth Ann told me a wonderful story this past week. I had to share it with you. Uh, many, some of you may remember this. Uh, anybody remember Pastor J.C. Shore that was here several years ago? Have several hands raised up. Apparently, you know, I told the story last week of the, uh, the experience that happened in Texas of a dog coming in the sanctuary. Well, Ruth Ann told me that something similar happened here. She said that J.C. Shore was preaching and preaching a fine message. He was on fire just a preaching away. And apparently a dog had crept in the side door over here and made its way into the sanctuary. Anybody remember this? <laughs> Made its way to the sanctuary. And as the dog came in the sanctuary, I'm assuming on this side, the dog looked at all the people and was shocked and stunned, had that deer caught in the headlight look. And, and according to the story, Pastor Shore stopped and looked at the dog. The dog looked at him, and the dog finally ran out of the congregation, to which Pastor Shore says, well, it looks like we've gone to the dogs. <laughs> Anybody remember that? <laughs> I've been told about that. We certainly don't want to go to the dogs. Uh, thus, it is imperative that we as a church, not only for Huntsville, but for any church to be successful, for any church to have that power of God, that they must be united. They must come together under the love of Christ and under the power of the Holy Spirit and seek unity while praying for one another and praying that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be used to do great things for His kingdom. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, and let me first of all say, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let me encourage you to come and receive Him 
before it's eternally too late. Maybe you have some burdens. Maybe there's some people that you just need to pray for this morning. We encourage you to come down and uh, pray for those individuals today. Or maybe you'd like to come and join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart and life, we just encourage you to come and do according, it, according to the Holy Spirit's leadership. To kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being with us this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the message. We thank you, Lord, for the songs that were sung. We pray that you bless over each person here today. And Lord, help us to be united. Help us to come together praying for one another, praying for your ministry, pray, praying according to the way, the models that you have sent to us and given to us, that we would pray that your will would be done on earth as you have established it in heaven. Lord, have your will in this time of invitation. And help us all, Lord, to be united, praying for one another, praying especially for the lost. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would bring the lost to us that you would allow us to reach some soul this week with the gospel message so that they may hear of your truth and of your grace that's sent through you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. Lead us, guide us, and direct us in this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. Would you please stand as we sing our final selection? 294. <coughs> Are you looking for something that will train you in Christian apologetics but you don't have time to commit to a long-term program? Do you want to learn more about the philosophical, scientific, and historical reasons for the Christian faith? If you answered yes, then plan to attend the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics entitled Defending a Faith That Thinks. It will be held October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, sponsored by Southern Evangelical Seminary. Among the speakers include Michael Brown, Norman Geisler, Gary Habermas, Ken Ham, Richard Howe, Greg Kokel, J.P. Moreland, SES President Richard Land, Jay Richards, Hugh Ross, Frank Turek, Jay Warner Wallace, and more than 30 additional speakers. Early bird pricing lasts until August 1st. For more information, go to conference.ses.edu. I plan to be at the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics. I hope to see you there. Once again, this is October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Go to conference.ses.edu, the National Conference on Christian Apologetics, defending the faith of things. You might have heard some things about Liberty University, like how we're just a little Christian school in the middle of nowhere, and there's nothing to do here. I mean, come on, you know us. Boring. Boring? Yeah. They say we don't work as hard, think as hard, try as hard. I object. The truth is... Well, we might surprise you. Check out Liberty University at liberty.edu.
on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Michaela Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas.